Welcome to College Street Victory Church. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Well, uh, welcome to College Street. Feeling good today? Yeah, yeah feeling good? Um, I, my name is James Ponak. Some of you may not know who I am, and you may have seen me play guitar. Um, but I came to this church in July of 2021, and God has really blessed me with great pastors. And so I just want to give a shout out to these two. I know it's already been done, but I want to say personally, I love Pastor Rudy's um, patient, kind, and humorous style of leadership. And also he, I don't know if you are aware, and especially if you're new here, that he writes uh, along with uh, Steph. Oh, I think we, uh, that, that's me. That's me going like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways, um, they write a number of the songs that we sing here, like the first song, The Reason. So that's, uh, that's their music. And so I've been so honored to serve them. And one thing I want to say about Pastor Steph is that, you know, there are times where on stage here, and I don't know if you find this in the audience, where you can kind of just sing along and forget that you're worshiping. Okay, let's be honest, right? Am I the only one? You know, sometimes I'm playing guitar, I'm trying to figure out the chords, and I look over and I see Pastor Steph giving, if there's such a thing as 110%, She's given 110 percent. Amen. Do you see that? Yeah. So, so I want to say thank you. So I get to interview them today. Uh, but before I do that, I do want to give, um, I, as I said, I thank you for joining us in the house today. But I also want to give a shout out to those watching online. So first of all, uh, we really appreciate Joshua House and the ministry of Joshua House. So we say hello. Um, we don't know everybody who's watching, but we want you to know we consider you family. And so thank you for joining us, Joshua House, men of Joshua House. Uh, secondly, the Westminster ladies, we appreciate you. God bless you. Um, we consider you family. And lastly, we so appreciate, uh, this is on at Ruth and Naomi's, I believe, and Cyrus Center. So there are groups, and we thank you for joining us. If you're there, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. You're part of the family just as much as these people in front of me are part of the family. So God bless you. Anyways, isn't that exciting that a lot of people join us from outside of here? So, well, without uh, any more delay, um, Rudy, I want to ask you a serious question. Um, Describe your life before Christ. Oh boy, I wish you had given me some time to prepare. Okay. Describe your life before me. Before James. <laughs> That's light and easy, right? Anyways, your life before Christ. Yeah. Before Christ. All right, so I gave my life to Jesus on April 3rd, 2011. Wow. Which Rick, I think that's the same year you gave your life to Jesus. May 1st, 2011. Wow. So we've been brothers almost uh, almost 12 years now. Awesome. Isn't that, that cool? Isn't that awesome? Praise God. I thought I'd start with that because I have uh, an old New King James Bible. Uh, not, not New King. It was the, the, the King the, James Bible. Yeah, the original. My very first Bible actually was a King James. And uh, in there, it's written in there, um, I dedicated my life to Jesus on April 3rd, 2011. And then my buddy that led me to the Lord put his signature in there. And so I still have that Bible. That's always going to be, I don't read uh, King James a whole lot anymore, but I'm going to hold on to that Bible oh, because yeah. that, that one's special to me. That and that's how I remember the date too, because that's uh, the day I was born, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in a home that believed in God. So not, like um, religion wasn't new to me at the time. So when I say I gave my life to Christ, it's not like, like I'd never heard about Jesus before. I grew up in a, in a home that, you know, feared God and, and I knew about God. I just hadn't personally experienced the relationship with Jesus yet and the freedom that comes with that. I grew up in, in religion and not relationship. And uh, in, our, in our home, like we had a great home, great upbringing, great parents, but uh, the church we were a part of, they didn't believe that you could know that you were saved. So what ended up happening is you kind of stab around in the, in the dark and you, you have this fear of God and you hope you're good enough. But at the end of the day, you always wonder, am I? 
if I die tonight, am I going to hell or, or what's happening? And you just hope for the best. And that's, that's the way we grew up was you, you live the best life you can and then you hope that in the end, God's going to accept you. And that's not a really um, a joyful way to live. And so that's why uh, we Mennonites oftentimes don't smile in photos because we just don't know if we're saved. Oh, we love Mennonites. We love. Yeah. Mennonites. So I was, I was raised in a Mennonite home. Um, and my parents, like Rick said last week, my parents did the best with what they had. They, you know, they had been raised, um, you know, with, with the same religion and, and that's what they knew. And that's what they passed on to us. And, and in that there were a lot of really good things. They taught us to work hard, uh, great morals, so many good things, but, but the relationship, like the relationship side with Jesus was missing. Right. And so that's why I say that on April 3rd, 2011, that's when I decided for myself as an adult, I'm going to make Jesus the center of my life. And that changed my whole life. But my, sac- my, my parents have sacrificed a lot for their kids. And I'm, I'm proud to say today they're both born again, knowing they are saved, Bible-believing Christians who have made a massive impact on their family, their, awesome. their grandkids, and even their great-grandkids now. And mm-hmm. so it's just cool to see over the years the transformation of my entire family, um, finally getting out of that religious mindset and into relationship with wow. Jesus. But um, just a little bit of quick backstory. I was born in Mexico in a small village called Riva Palacio. And I'm not kidding. I finally learned how to pronounce that right because I don't actually speak Spanish. Um, it is on my birth certificate. I can't read anything on my birth certificate. I don't even know uh, half of what it says because I can't read it. I took Spanish in high school, but unless you have somebody to, to speak with, you're not going to retain a whole lot. So right. um, I have a little uh, a picture that I want the, the team to throw up there. That's my, uh, my, that's, that picture was taken actually a year before we moved here from Mexico. This is in Mexico in front of our home. And uh, do you guys know which one's me? It, any guesses? Bottom middle, you're right. The guy that looks like Phoenix a little bit. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. That is me. And uh, I grew up with, with seven sisters and two brothers. And... Uh, the reason two of my sisters in the middle are wearing the, the head covering are because in the Mennonite culture, when you get married, you wear the head covering. Basically, the head covering is, is the wedding band for Mennonites. Okay. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering, James, because okay. I know you have a lot of questions about Mennonites and you love us. So I, I, I want to yeah. be here to answer any of your questions. And uh, James said this morning, just by looking at the picture, he could, spe- he could smell fresh baked buns. Oh, and so okay. I don't, he's, he's not too far out. He's not too far out. Yeah, one and, word came to my mind, FASPA. I don't know if FASPA, any of you know yes, that word. But, that is a, but in that picture, oh my goodness, I, my mom would have sewn all those clothes that everyone's wearing because she sewed everything for the whole family. My sisters may have helped, but she did all of her own sewing, cooking, baking. She made her own butter, her own... Like, everything was homemade. Soap was homemade. Like, you name it. Wow. So I just, I, I don't even know how she did it with, with 10 kids. But somehow she did. And uh, a year after that picture was taken, we moved to Canada. And none of us spoke English, by the way. We moved here uh, from, a, you can imagine, Mexican climate is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we moved here. And I remember there was two feet of snow on the ground. And uh, we ended up living in a motel in Bow Island. Had you ever seen snow? I had seen snow oh, okay. because it did snow a little bit, like once or twice a year, kind of like Chilliwack, <laughs> kind of like Chilliwack, mm, yeah. except it snows a bit more here. But yeah, I had seen snow, but not two feet of snow. I mean, we ended up living in a motel in Bow Island, Alberta for two weeks because my dad's job that he had lined up from there didn't start until two weeks later. And the job he had came with a house on the property. So we ended up living in a, ho- in a motel, motel, right behind the big pinto bean. If you've ever been to Bow Island, Alberta, um, I know Pastor Shar, you're watching and you're from Bow Island or used to live there, so you'd know where that is. But yeah, a whole family lived in there. We didn't speak English at all. And so that was kind of a, obviously something to, to have to overcome. And uh, you might be surprised to find out English is not my first language. <laughs> yeah. You speak it well now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, so we moved here and uh, we, we adjusted quickly. I mean, we adapted quite quickly. We made friends and, and obviously as a five-year-old, you learn to speak the language really fast. And uh, so we, we, we kind of adapted to the climate and the culture and, and church was always a part of that. So when we moved here, we, we obviously in the Mennonite culture, church is, is a big part of that. So church is like a non-negotiable. So we found a church, we plugged in right away. 
But as I was growing up, I found that it just seemed dry. It seemed distant and irrelevant to what I was going through, especially into my teenage years. It seemed monotonous and religious, and, uh, and I didn't connect. Like, I couldn't relate to, you know, a lot of the things that were being said. I just, it didn't apply to what I was going through. So, yeah, they were, they were teaching the word, but it was so monotonous that it was really, really hard to follow. And so over time, I, I definitely grew really distant from church myself. Like, I didn't want to go. Um, by the ages of, I'd say, 11 to 12, I was sneaking out after services and smoking cigarettes behind the, you know, behind the church and making trouble with my friends. And that was kind of like, like something that, you know, I did to escape being in that, in that place where I was feeling more suppressed than anything, mm. right? And so we, we, we did a lot of that kind of stuff growing up. By the ages of 13 to 14, I was out on weekends partying and drinking and smoking. Was, that, was just a rig, that was just a normal weekend, even at that age, which is like, why? Why would it, you know? But that, again, that's who I was surrounding myself with, and, yeah. and I didn't really have a huge desire to be plugged into the church, so I chose the other lifestyle instead. Mm. So that, there I was, you know, doing my, my partying and, and drinking and smoking, all that kind of stuff. So this led me down a pretty dark path for that season of my life. Um, where, you know, obviously somewhere in that there along came pornography and lust. And this just led down to a path of, of depression, anxiety, uh, addiction. All these things started coming into my life at that age, mm-hmm. like, like 14, 15. I was so immersed in that that I was having a hard time mm-hmm. relating to God and, and, and even wanting to, to be a part of church or anything religious. So I'd say to any of the teenagers in here, it's crucial um, to pick good friends at that at that stage of yeah. your life because yeah. the friends that Definitely. I was hanging around with were chasing sex, they were chasing drugs, and they were chasing parties. Mm-hmm. And you become like the five people you hang around the most, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's who I was becoming because that's what my friends were doing, and that's who I was becoming. And so in the midst of all this, my dad was very passionate about music, very passionate about music. He loved to sing. He loved to, to harmonize. But in the church we weren't allowed to express ourselves musically at all. There was uh, no instruments were allowed in the church. Uh, we couldn't sing harmonies in church. Uh, even hymnals with notes in them was considered too worldly. So it was just words and Gregorian chant. So if you've ever heard Gregorian chant, like you can't really understand what they're saying, but they're, they're chanting in there. So that was my, that was my, um, my upbringing as far as music. But... On the other hand, my dad was a bit of a rebel. So outside of the church, he would, like I said earlier, he would invest in musical instruments for, for us kids because uh, I grew up with no TV, no video games, and I shared with a man this morning, I asked for a Game Boy so many times, and I, I just couldn't have it. My dad was a man of conviction. He's like, no, this isn't going to benefit you. Um, I'll invest in musical instruments. I'll invest in, in bikes. I'll invest in you know, off-road vehicles, whatever you guys want, horses, you name it, but you're not playing video games. So we're like, okay. So that's why I spent a lot of time, you know, playing piano and guitar and, and writing even songs at that age because yeah. at home we were allowed to express ourselves musically, just not in the church. So I ended up writing a whole bunch of songs. When I, you know, at the age of 11, my dad bought me a bass guitar. And I started playing bass. That was my first instrument. And I was writing songs. And then my sister was taking piano lessons. And so I got really interested in learning how to play the piano, which is what I really resorted to in those next years of my life when it came to writing music. And still today, that's my favorite instrument to write and play on. Really? Um, is the piano. Most of the songs, including Heaven in My Heart, were written okay. with me sitting yeah. down at the keyboard and yeah. just playing around with it. Um, so anyway, that, that was kind of my, my story in terms of music. Weren't allowed to play it in church, but at home, uh, we, were, we were allowed to play. However, anything outside of gospel music was forbidden in our home. And so, but I had a little boombox, and I could catch uh, Rock 106 playing out of Lethbridge, okay. and, uh, which is cool because the DJ at the time I grew up listening to actually later on uh, got saved in the oh. church that we were a part of like probably 15 years wow. later, and I got to meet the DJ I grew up listening to so after cool. he got saved in the church we were a part of, uh, which is like kind of like a full yeah. circle. I was almost yeah. like a fanboy, like, whoa, <laughs> like... Because I recognize his voice and his yeah. name instantly. I'm like, you were the DJ of Rock 106. That's like, I grew so up cool. listening to you. So anyway, I fell in love with, with country music growing up on a farm, right? Country yeah. music was a big part of my life. Yeah. But rock and roll, really started falling in love with that. And then uh, also some of the pop stuff that was coming out in the early 2000s. And I knew I wanted to pursue music. I knew that at an early age. 
I just didn't know what it would look like. And in that season, I decided, well, rock star seems like a pretty cool thing to be. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to pursue that and become a rock star. Yeah. Um, but by the time I was 16, I had graduated. I graduated a year early. I had bought my first pickup and, uh, still hanging out with an unhealthy group of friends. Mm. So my life shifted from wanting to pursue music and invest in that and, uh, really grow in that to just trying to make money and keep up with my friends, keep up with the parties, keep up with, with all the things they were doing. So that really replaced that desire for me to pursue music was just, I want to keep up. I want to continue to do what they're doing. I want to, you know, and that road was really leading me to death. Mm. It was a dark yeah. path. And so I was this angsty teenager who seemed to have no sense of purpose mm. or identity, right? I knew what God had placed deep down, but I had put it, I pushed it so far down and at that point, it just became about what I could do to impress my friends and, and keep up with the lifestyles they were living. So, um, when I when I moved out and I got my you know my pickup and and I moved to Lethbridge and I got my first job outside of my dad's farm. At that time, I was uh, I was working on night shifts and I was working long days and and trying to you know make more money and and live that lifestyle. And I ended up. We were at this party one night, and, and we drank a lot, but one night we were out at a party, and we, we I'm being completely transparent here. Um, so if you dismiss me as a pastor later on, that's between you and God, but this is in my past. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We were, okay, so we were partying. We had a lot to drink. We were drinking, and then we decided it would be a good thing to mix drugs and alcohol, and uh, I took way too many drugs, and I, I, I was at the, I almost OD'd that night, but wow. I got so stoned that I wasn't, in my body anymore. I wasn't in control of my body. People were trying to like get me to engage with them, but I was just like, I was gone. Like I was completely gone. Now in that, in that moment, I had this kind of like out of body experience and uh, I ended up what I thought was hell. I thought I had actually died and gone to hell. Mm. And when I was a kid, you know, like hearing about hell was terrifying because you think of, you know, a lake of fire for eternity. I don't want to end up there. In this moment, it wasn't the the fire or the physical pain that was tormenting me. Mm. It was the absence of God. Wow. Yeah. In a place where I felt like I would never again have a chance at redemption. Wow. There was no hope because God was absent. And so it wasn't the the physical side that terrified me in that moment. It was that God is not here. It's wow. dark. There's no hope. There's no light. And I thought that was it for me. I thought this is, this is going to be it. Cause I had actually, I, I thought, you know, in my state, I thought I had died. And when I came back, I mean, that went on for the whole night. It was terrifying experience. And I, when I came to the next day, it was, a, it was in the afternoon when I finally like came back to my senses, I just realized God was trying to show me something in that, that if wow. I continue down this path and, and I continue down um, that road with the friends I had and living the life I was living, it was going to lead to death. And I was never going to be able to live out the calling and the purpose that he had for my life. So God really showed me something that night was like, stop, wake up. Like, yeah. I've got a purpose for you. Wow. I placed those dreams inside of you at a young age to write music and pursue that. Like, you're throwing it all away for what? Wow. And so you know, that was a life-changing moment, but it wasn't then that I accepted Jesus. I, I continued, I, I did clean up my life, you know, to a point, and I, I got rid of some friends, and I, I started making other friends, and I started making that shift. Um, and to this day, that experience comes back to my mind. When I think about hell and the absence of God and how terrifying that is, like, I don't ever want to go there mm -hmm. again. That, oh, yeah. that experience kept yeah. me from drugs yeah. since that day. I've never done drugs again. <laughs> Thank yeah. God. Yeah, amen. He showed me something Praise so God. powerful yeah. in that moment mm -hmm. that I've never, you know, gone back to seeking that as, like, a way to escape. So um, fast forward to April 3rd, 2011. I had cleaned up my life somewhat by that point, but I still wasn't living for Jesus at that time. And so there's a second photo here. This is me at the University of Lethbridge. This is me now pursuing my dream in music. I applied at the university. Yep. I got into the music program. Uh, third guy from the left there, that's me with the, 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 the smirky grin on his face. And uh, I had just been accepted in the, into the program, and this was my first year 
um, studying classical music and and in my mind I was gonna be I was still gonna be a rock star I was gonna go and get classically trained and then I was gonna tour the world and and, and perform for people and so here I was you know technically living the dream but not living for Jesus mm. you know and so it was while I was here that a friend of mine had gone to Bible school in Mexico of all things it's hmm. where I'm from yeah um, and he came back with his passion for Jesus and he wouldn't stop talking about it and I was hanging out with a not so great crew at the time and if you know the U of L, if you've ever studied there, it's a party university. It is like party central. Mm. So you can imagine it's not the healthiest place to be. Yeah. Um, so my friend came back. He's on fire for Jesus. And every night he's, he's talking to me about Jesus. And I'm like, ah, oh, like, and I, I could feel it starting to burn. And, and the, the conviction started to grow. And, and over time, it just got to the point where one night, April 3rd, 2011, we're sitting in, in the car. It was around midnight. And I finally broke down and said, I want what you have. Because I wasn't feeling fulfilled. I was doing all the things, but I wasn't feeling the fulfillment. Wow. So that night I gave my life to Jesus awesome. and decided I'm going to live for him. And then that was the point where I, where I really switched um, gears. And uh, it was later on. I'll, I'll share a little bit more about what happened right after. But that, that's the turning point for me where I decided I want to make music for God and glorify him through the music that we write uh, for the church and, and for worship. Awesome. But the, the, the crazy thing is the enemy had other plans for my life. So obviously, as soon as I made that decision uh, to live for Jesus, the devil pulled out every single stop to get me back, like instantly. It was like, mm-hmm. like I was living pretty good. I was doing good. And I made the decision for Jesus thinking I was going to have this amazing experience now and life was going to be fantastic. And that was not the case for me. Not instantly anyway. It, it took time. So... I ended up getting so attacked in my head because the enemy knew with my past with uh, uh, depression and anxiety and some of those things that I dealt with, he was going to pull out every stop yep. to get into my head because Sounds he knew if, like he could, if he could discourage, like distract me in my head and really yeah. work me up in there, he would discourage my heart. And he did. And call it a lack of discipleship, call it what you want. But I, I'm, looking back now, I realize why we do things the way we do here with, with discipleship yeah. and connect groups and having yep. healthy people yep. around you because I didn't have that. I, mm-hmm. you know, I found Jesus, but now what? Now what? So I found myself actually in bed on antidepressants, on medication, not even being able to get out of bed mm-hmm. for three months wow. after I accepted this this Jesus, you know, and I'm like, I'm supposed to be walking in freedom now. I'm supposed to be free. And yet I had, you know, people were coming and they were praying for me and laying hands on me. And, and I even had a pastor come in and try to do an exorcism on me because they thought I had demons. And it was just like, no, this is something else. Like this is a chemical imbalance mixed with the enemy trying to pull me back. So I had all these, all these things happening to me and it just made me more confused than ever. Mm. Um, which just goes to, ins- to show it goes to show yeah. the importance that everything is not always necessarily no. That's right. a devil or a demon. Sometimes it's just depression and a chemical imbalance that the enemy knows you have, and he uses that against you. Mm-hmm. So, um, I had to realize over time that there wasn't something wrong with me. Like I, I was a child of God. Yes, maybe there was something that that I was going to need to get counseling for, or or even medication. But you know, I wasn't this broken person with demons inside of him. That was not the case. I genuinely loved Jesus. I prayed and I I had moments with God like I've, I don't know if I've ever had since in that season of my life. It was terrifying and it was dark. Yeah. But, but through that, I came across a verse, and I think this is going to set somebody free today too, but I came across a verse in the Bible and what I learned is I have to be able to get the word of God into my heart yeah. I have to be able to fight the the thoughts of the enemy with words, like Rick always says. I have to read the Bible, get it yeah. into me, so that I know, because the, the enemy knows what's going on, mm-hmm. and he knows where to hit me because he knows my weaknesses. Like, yeah. he knows where to attack me the most. Yeah. So I had to learn to fight back with the Word of God. Yes. And so Amen. I started, I started reading, right. and I started learning, and I started growing, yep. and uh, I came across a verse that, that changed my life. And I'll leave it there. Okay, yes, we'll get to that later. I, I just wonder, we'll pause here just for one second, and I want to ask you, how many of you can relate to growing up in your life, doesn't matter the age, with religion and not relationship? Just show. Yeah, see, that's a common thing, and I think it's common in Chilliwack. Uh, we won't belabor it, but uh, praise God you heard that great testimony. Amen? And you're here. Uh, that's good. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, just one quick note here, too. I, I think what I found fascinating about your testimony is that even though we'll say you had religion and not relationship, that hell experience that you had made you realize that God was working in your life. He was there. Even in the, we'll say, in quotes, dead religion, God was still there. Um, and hell has void of that. So anyways, well, praise God, Pastor Rudy, for what God's done in your life. Awesome. Wow. Uh, so Stephanie, why don't we ask you the same question? Describe your life before Christ. Awesome. Well, my story is a lot different than my husband's, but I think it's pretty cool how God brought us together. And um, I'm going to show you a picture, and it's a picture of me before Christ. <laughs> that that's me. <laughs> maybe maybe I already had Jesus in my heart then. I'm not sure. But by the way, that those are uh, she's not high maintenance. Those are pearls of wisdom. <laughs> Yes. I was going to say maybe before Jesus, I was very materialistic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But um, I grew up in a Christian home. So I had um, believing parents, born again parents, yeah. and they they raised me really well. I'm so blessed to have the upbringing that I had. And I did accept Jesus at a very young age. I don't exactly know how old I was, but probably like three or four, like pretty little. And I can honestly say I don't remember a time where I didn't know God and I didn't love God. And I'm really thankful for that. Um, and my upbringing wasn't perfect. I mean, no one's is, but my family was so, they just found it really important that we grew up in the church. Yeah. Um, we yeah. lived on a farm. It was about an hour away from the nearest city, but every weekend we would drive one hour to the city, one hour back because church was that important to us. That was yeah. that important to our family. So going to church was really important. Um, reading the Bible was a really important thing that I saw modeled in. My dad, he would read devotions with us. I have really clear memories of that, of sitting there with this Max Lucado um, devotional and reading uh, it with my dad. And yeah. just like, just those really impactful things. Like we would do communion together as a family. Um, and just that whole emphasis of having a personal relationship with Jesus was ingrained in me at a young age that it, it's not religion. It's not about what you do or what you don't do, but just knowing God and loving him and knowing his word. And so I'm really thankful that I had the parents that I had and the upbringing that I've had to be, to be who I am right yeah. now. And that doesn't mean that my life is perfect or has been perfect. I've definitely made mistakes because I'm a human being living in this broken world that we live in. But I found that being taught to obey the word of God and to live it out throughout my whole life has given me such a solid foundation. And when I could have strayed from God at many points in my life, I didn't. And I'm thankful for that. Yes, I made mistakes. But I can think of some very pivotal moments in my life where I could have gone down a very different path. But I knew that that wasn't the right thing for me to do. And I believed God's word. And so, yeah, I'm very, very thankful for that. And, you know, it's kind of funny, but I honestly have really struggled with sharing my testimony in the past. And you probably think that's weird. You're like, you seem like you lived a pretty pretty great life. And I'm, that's why, because <laughs> I feel like I hear so many testimonies where people share about how God just made this huge transformative work in their lives. And it was this huge radical change. And I feel like sometimes like my story is not that huge. Like it's, I, I love Jesus all my life. Like, yeah. but at the same time, I think I've learned that I should be thanking God for the life that I've lived. Yes. And honestly, to yeah. see that there are multiple miracles in the midst of my testimony, um, that through having that loving relationship with Jesus and an obedience to his word, I have avoided a lot of those life decisions that could have pulled me away from him. So even though I don't have this radical, big, life-changing story, I can say that I have seen God's faithfulness literally all over my life, my entire life. And one of the ways that I've experienced that personally is the way that he he changed me. Even though I was um, I grew up in the church and had a really strong faith in God, I still struggled with like my identity. I struggled with who God says that I am, and I struggled with yeah. being really shy. Like I was really afraid to like 
speak to people I didn't know. I was afraid to sing in front of people I didn't know, even though music was a huge part of my life ever since I was little. And I look at that video that we played before, like our little promo video, and it's kind of cool because our daughter, Emery, is the little girl that you see in that video when it shows shy. And it's, I see so much of her in myself um, and the fact that I was that way growing up. But I've seen how God has transformed me from that shy, terrified person who would be shaking, like just literally shaking to be up here in front of you guys, to someone who is not afraid to step out in her calling to worship Amen. God and to lead others Amen. to worship yes. God. Yeah. Yeah. And also to be able to speak, like to speak in front of other people and to share the things that God has put on my heart to share with you guys. And if he can do that for me, he can do that for you guys too. And so I want you guys to believe that for yourselves. And it's his power in me. It's not all me, all me being all perfectly obedient. It's not that. It's his hand on my life that has brought me to where I am today. And I love, (laughs) thank you. I came across this verse and I thought it was so perfect, but it's Psalm 37, 23. And it says that he makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. And I just love that, how it's him. It's him working in me. But it's also me delighting in him. There's that, there's that part too. And so I plan on that. I plan on delighting in him, my father for the rest of my life. Oh, that is so good. And your testimony is great. Yeah. You know, one of the things that strikes me, and I've known you now for a year and a half, uh, maybe even a little more, actually, because I came to visit the church. But um, what strikes me is that nobody is born mature in Christ. You can make a decision at a young age, yes, I will follow Jesus. But then year after year in your life, as you grow up, and you're seeing this in your kids, you continually have to make decisions, I will follow Christ. Yeah, it's and a you've process. Done that. Yeah. And you've done that. We give God the glory, but I yeah. give you credit. You've continually said, I'm going to say yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we see that in your songs, too, yeah. and your singing. So praise God. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to move on to the next question. Um, so, Steph, what Bible character do you identify with and why? I love that question. Um, there's so much to gain from just reading the Bible and reading about the people that lived before us and just the example that their lives have. Um, But the person that came to mind for me is Esther. And so if you don't know her story, I'm just going to give you a little little snapshot. Um, But she was a Jewish girl who lived during a time when the Israelite people were in captivity. So another nation had them captive, and this was the Persians. Um, And so she was actually, through this amazing series of events, this humble Jewish girl was chosen to become queen over Persia, like the queen of Persia, which is just wild. Um, And through her becoming queen, she was able to have the influence and the power to save the Israelite people from complete annihilation. And even though it was at great risk to her own life. And I relate to her story and I, I just love her story in that she rose from obscurity to prominence. And I think there's so many characters in the Bible that that's their story. Nobody knew who they were. They were this quiet, kind of humble person who God raised up and he used them. And I find it so encouraging that God uses seemingly ordinary people every day to do amazing things for the kingdom. And I think it's a story that's true for every single person in this room, every single person that's watching this right now that God is going to do amazing things with you, even if you feel ordinary and you feel like you're not, not enough. Um, I also admire her, her heart of obedience and character. Yeah. Yeah. And I would really encourage you guys, like read the book of Esther. I think it's only seven or eight chapters. It's quite short, but she has a whole book that's dedicated to this story. And, and it's not just for women. No, it's not. Yeah. It, it, it truly isn't. That's right. Um, but I, I admire her character. And she honestly, she wasn't a rebel. And I really appreciate that. She was obedient to God. And especially in the culture we live in nowadays, I feel like obedience and like, it's not something that's really, I don't know, it's not celebrated really. People are more about like the rebels and like being disobedient and all that great stuff. But I found that her character was one of the things that sustained her throughout the whole selection process to become 
the queen. Like she had favor that whole time. And I don't believe it was just the hand of God. I believe it was who she was too. It was her character. And then also her obedience to her uncle, who is her adopted father, and to God's guidance in her life, even though it's not um, explicit in the text, it is evident in just the way that she um, saved the people of Israel. And so that all played a huge part in her, um, yeah, saving the Hebrew people from destruction. So just kind of to recap, what I really appreciate about her is the story of her rising from obscurity to prominence, her character, and her heart of obedience. Mm, awesome. That is fantastic. Yeah. And, and you know what's striking about that, just the principle that in God's kingdom, God's kingdom is a kingdom of promotion. So being obedient, like you point out with Esther, obedience leads to blessing mm-hmm. in God's kingdom. And oftentimes that blessing is a promotion That's so uh, in good. some way. And uh, you're being promoted as you came to, you moved from Alberta to here and, and mm-hmm. so on. So that's awesome. Thanks, so cool. Steph. Thank you for that. So Rudy, we're going to ask you the same question. What Bible character do you identify with and why? Well, there's a lot that, you know, you can identify with, but the one that, that I chose for myself is the Apostle Paul. And you'll see why. So Paul was a man that was very aware of his past, of his flaws and his tendencies. You know, he mentions that numerous times throughout the books that he wrote to the churches. But he chose to let God work through him regardless of how he felt. You know, he calls himself the worst sinner of them all. And and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. It didn't matter to him how he felt. He knew what God called him to and he lived that out. Um, He understood that our feelings are not who we are. You know, how we feel is not who we are. Our feelings are not our identity. And uh, I think I relate to him in the sense that, like Paul, I had a lot of preconceived religious um, ideas and beliefs before coming to Jesus. You know, similar to him, he was a Pharisee, and he had all these religious rituals and things that he was well accustomed to. But then he had a real encounter with Jesus on the road Mm -hmm. to Damascus, which led him on a whole new path. And so I can relate to the, you know, religion first and then relationship later on. Um, and I also had to learn how to let go of that religion and cling to relationship. And I had to become aware of the grace of God in my life. And Paul is a master at writing about grace yes. because I think he lived yep. it out so well. And he, he knew how, how he needed the grace of God in his yep. life. And it comes up over and over and over again in his books. And that's something that I had to become aware of in my own life, that there's nothing I could do to earn my salvation. Um, Ephesians 2 verses 4 to 5 say this, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved yeah. us so much. And even though we were dead yes. because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Mm. That's it. Um, I struggled with forgiveness a lot early on in my, in, my, in my walk with Jesus, especially coming out of those three months, like I said, where I couldn't get out of bed. And I, and I actually went to the doctor and, and I was finally officially, you know, diagnosed with with severe OCD, like to the point where it was very unhealthy for me, which often led to severe depression and anxiety. And so those were like, and I I wasn't, you know, I'm not saying that's who I am, but those are symptoms of of things that I've had to deal with. And and the enemy has attacked me in those areas. But but, um, because of that, I obsessed over not being forgiven, Mm -hmm. which is sounds weird, but Um, I really struggled with forgiveness and I had to eventually learn that no, God is a loving father. He is a graceful father. And whenever you come yep. back to him, he's always going to welcome yep. you back with open arms. Yep. His mercies are made new every morning. Amen. Um, great is his faithfulness. Yes. Like all these scriptures yep. started to, yep. to yep. flow. And I finally, like I would ask God to forgive me of the same sin over and over and over and over. And then I finally came across somebody that wrote, well, how would you feel if your child did something and they came back and said, dad, please forgive me. And you said, you're forgiven. And they came back 10 minutes later and they're like, can you please forgive me? You're like, I just did 10 minutes ago, but yeah, you're forgiven. And they came back a third time. Be like, you're forgiven. Now move on. And it's like, no, that's how God is with us. That's right. When he says it's done, it's done. He forgives us. He throws it into the deepest sea and he doesn't even remember it. Amen. And that's the grace, the grace side of it. Right. So as I, as I learned to walk with Jesus and I, and I did get plugged into a church that, you know, a discipleship focused church over time, which, which helped a lot. But, but as I continue to grow in my personal walk with Jesus, I had to learn that 
his grace is enough. I don't have to worry about things I've done. And then uh, and that we're saved by grace. Paul says it this way, by grace that none may boast, right? And I had to learn to understand that my salvation not was not affected by what I did do or didn't do. Either way, there's nothing, like, it's all grace. Whatever I did in my past doesn't affect my salvation. Yeah. And uh, what I didn't do to earn it also doesn't yeah. affect it. It's only yeah. grace, that's if right. that makes sense. It's nothing yeah. I did or didn't do. It's all grace. Totally. It's only God's grace that saved me, so... That's why I can relate to Paul. Um, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking back to you, Stephanie, as well. Um, you talked about your, and you weren't bragging about this, but you were saying like your life is has been fairly fairly pure in the sense that you just didn't make decisions to do certain things, say that your husband did, right? <laughs> okay, but the thing is, you both needed the grace of God. You both need the grace of God. It was not like, Amen. well, Rudy really needed the grace of God. <laughs> I kind of needed it. <laughs> no. no, you know, that's the thing. Uh, both of you, just like anyone in this room, has a sinful nature that bends us away from God. In fact, uh, Scripture says that it puts us at war with God. So you may have sensed that this week, right? In your life, a bit of war with God at times, you know, uh, wanting to do the right thing and then not wanting to do it. But anyways, praise God. You both have talked about grace in your life, and I appreciate all that you said there. Um, so, Rudy, I'm going to ask you, uh, you mentioned earlier about a Bible verse, and I think you want to expound upon it. So what is one Bible verse that has really carried you through? Okay, so this is the one that helped me in, in the midst of that time. Uh, going back to the end of those three months, and I was reading, and I came across this verse, and you, you've probably heard this multiple times in your life, and maybe you've never heard it before, but this verse set me up to be able to be set free. Mm. And it's 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yes. This verse Amen. set up the next... 15 years, like, I think it's going to be with me forever yep. from that point forward. Good. And it's something that I have to continually apply to my life. Um, in my moments during that time of like severe depression, like severe, not like I don't feel good, like, like severe, um, I would often be able to trace the, the way I felt back to a thought that instigated the feeling yep. of depression, yep. Yep. an ungodly thought that did not line up with what God's word says about me. Whenever, you know, if I if I felt like I wasn't forgiven or I was going to hell or like the, get the condemnation that the devil puts on you, like all these ungodly thoughts yep. can make you really depressed, yep. especially if you already have something else going on in your life that, you know, like I said earlier, sometimes it is a chemical imbalance and, and that, you know, even Paul had a thorn in his side, something that he had to deal with. I'm not saying God can't heal that. He can. He can heal you in an instant, but sometimes it's a process yep. and sometimes he gives you his word so that you can read it and you can learn to apply it and you can grow that way. It looks different for everyone, but for me, I had to learn to apply this verse. Learning how to take every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ has helped me out of being a slave to my thoughts because a lot of what I was going through in that season came out of my thought yep. patterns and unhealthy thinking, yep. ungodly thoughts that, were, that I was allowing to take root in my heart or in my head and then get to my heart which can be very discouraging. So in other words, this verse freed me from being held captive by depression and anxiety because of the thought yep. pattern. I had to learn to, yep. like Romans 12 says, right? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, mm -hmm. you know? That's right. And this is so important, yep. so important. Um, and I want to point out there is a difference between being cured and being held captive because you can yep. struggle with something without being held captive That's by right. it. Like I said, even Paul had a thorn. And he prayed, and he yep. prayed, and he prayed, and, and it, w yep. it wouldn't go away. It was something he struggled with, but he wasn't held captive by it. He still pursued God. That's he right. still did all the things that God That's called right. him to do. And uh, like I said, can God heal you of depression? Sure. But sometimes it's something you need to, to, to learn to deal with and, uh, and apply God's word yep. to it. And in many cases, most cases, that has helped me. When I take every, as soon as I sense something coming in, it's like, I've referred to it before as a conveyor belt. And it's like, like all these, all this baggage mm -hmm. is coming in. You're like, yep. oh, okay, let's take that one captive. It's like, yep. how many thoughts do we think in a day? But if you learn 
it almost becomes like second nature. When you learn to take every yep. thought captive, you might see something, you're like, oh, that's on God, take it captive, yep. throw it out, boom, done. And then you, and it just, it puts you in a way better mood. Yep. Way, way, sure way, way, way better. Um, in my case, I do have to be aware and proactive. When I sense like anxiety and depression coming on like strong, mm-hmm. yes, I take every thought captive, but I also do other things. I go to the gym. Yep. I keep myself physically active. Yep. There, there's things we can do. We eat healthier. We go yep. to the gym. We stay fit. There's lots that we can do, yep. you know, right. even physically to yep. help us, you know, yep. not end up in that place. Yep. So it, it's a variety of things. But on the spiritual side, the taking every thought captive has, has really set me free from being a captive to my That's thoughts. That's powerful. Galatians 5.1 says this in the message, Christ has set us free to, uh, Christ has set us free to live a free life. Mm-hmm. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on yeah, you. Yeah, amen. I stand by that verse. And yeah. I know the context of this verse is, is falling back into religious rituals, you know, after having received freedom in Jesus. But that's often where I found myself in the early years as a Christian was, um, um, you know, going back to, to the rituals and things that I needed to do or things I felt I needed to do. And that's, no, I, I've been set free from that. I don't need to go back to those religious rituals. Grace has saved me. Like it, yeah, amen. his grace is sufficient, amen. like I said. And so that's right. again, we're saved by grace, not by works. But sometimes like it says, take a stand. We do need to take action, you know, take a stand, do that's something. Right. And in my case, you know, like I said, making us or taking a stand sometimes means you know, going for a walk, going to the gym, like doing yep. things to fight against that yeah. that depression that can yep. that can come on you sometimes. But totally. yeah. but taking a stand looks different for different people. But for me, there's multiple things I do. But taking every thought captive is is the spiritual one for sure. Yeah, that is powerful. I needed to learn how to fight, and that was the big thing. I ha- in order to not be a slave to the ungodly thoughts, I mm-hmm. needed to learn to demolish them and not yep. dance with them. Yep. And that's, that's a big so thing. Good. Demolish them. Don't dance with them. Your thoughts are powerful. Mm. In a literal sense, to demolish means to destroy completely, but it also means to strip of any uh, pretense of merit or credence, mm-hmm. right? That's what it's talking about by demolishing. By entertaining even the smallest ungodly thought, we are giving the enemy a foothold because he knows his way in there. He knows. And that's why Paul emphasizes every, every thought, not some, all, all patterns of thought that defy God's authority. Take every thought captive and make it obedient. So we need to learn to submit all of our thoughts to the authority of Christ. Amen. Like I shared with the men this morning, we need to yep. have clarity. We need to have clear yep. minds. We need to be able to function. And that's one of the ways that we can do that. Um, I just wanted to share Psalm 119 verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not mm-hmm. sin against you. Amen. That's powerful. It is. You know, that's fighting those thoughts with the word of God. Hide it in you so that when the enemy comes and attacks you, you can, you can fight back and say no. That's right. God's word in my heart. I know what he says about so me. Good. Yeah, I'm saved. So good. You, Amen. You, you can't touch me. That's right. <laughs> it's got yeah. nothing on us. Amen. And, then, uh, and the last verse is uh, John eight thirty two. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah. And that was right. my case. I learned the truth. I learned what the word says and that set me free. So, um, yeah, that's all I have. That's for good. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's not, it's knowing the truth and walking in the truth. So not just today, all pumped up, had a great church service, good worship songs, um, but Monday comes, stay in the truth. Tuesday comes, stay in the truth, and you get the idea. You know, interesting, you mentioned Paul's thorn, and Paul's thorn, uh, Scripture says, was a messenger from Satan. And I don't know about your week, but sometimes the enemy will come to you and say, you're not enough, you're not really saved, this is not going to work out. You're not going to overcome this. You'll always be like this. Some of you heard that message this week. And that is something we have to line up to the word of God and say, no, that's not who God says I am. So praise God. Thank you for your scripture and your testimony. Awesome. So, Steph, what is a Bible verse that has, uh, one Bible verse that has carried you through? Yeah, um, actually, uh, so the verse that, I kind of call it my life first because for so much of my life, it's meant a lot to me. Um, but it's Esther 4.14 is kind of the last half of it. But it says, And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. Um, and just some context to that. So this is in the book of Esther, as I was talking about earlier. And it's actually from her uncle telling her this because he's encouraging her to go and talk to the king and 
to plead for the people of Israel. And he's talking to her about how in, before this part, he mentions that if you don't do this, the salvation for Israel, it will come from somewhere else. Mm. But you have been placed here yeah. for a purpose, mm. for a reason. Yeah. And so for me, how that relates to me is growing up, I, I still struggled a lot with understanding my purpose in life. And I don't think I'm alone in that. I think a lot of us struggle with what is my purpose? Like, why am I here? But I lived a pretty simple, generally uneventful life, as you guys heard. I grew up on a farm. We're an hour away from the city. Had a really good childhood overall. But I couldn't really nail down what I wanted to do with my life. And I felt like all of my peers around me, they knew. Like, they they knew us since they were a little kid. I'm going to be a nurse. Like, I'm going to be a cop. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And they did it. And I felt like, I don't know, like I have no idea what God wants me to do or what I want to do or any of that. And I honestly hit this point in my life of, it's weird to say it, but I actually wondered if I would just die young, like if I would eventually just die because I didn't have any purpose to Mm. my life. It's just such a weird thing to say, but I actually had that thought in my mind that there was nothing specific for me to do here on this earth. So Mm. eventually I'd just be gone. And I, I'm not talking about any thoughts to end my life. If my parents watch this, don't, don't worry. <laughs> that wasn't what I was thinking. But I wrongly did wonder if God even had a reason for me being here or if I was just here to kind of live a life and, mm. and die and move on. Like that's literally what I wondered. Um, but this verse, I feel like it speaks very directly to that feeling. Yeah. And not only are we as sons and daughters of Christ, royalty we are we're in a royal position so we're so much more than just ordinary but we are all in this world for such a time as this like this time that we're living in right right. now yeah this isn't just for me this is for every single person that's here and that's listening to this but you have been placed where you are into the family that you're in and the job that you're working in right now, in the yep. time period that we're living yep. in right now, That's right. the country you're in, the city you're in, the political climate that we're in, you're here for a purpose and for a reason. And you are a mother, you are a father yep. to those beautiful, challenging yep. little people yeah. for a purpose because God doesn't make mistakes. And he knew that you would be their parents in this time where things are kind of crazy, but he knew And he put you here for a reason. And we are all living and breathing right now for such a time as this. And I want you guys to know that. Mm, Awesome. Wow. (laughs) You know, one of the things about the book of Esther uh, that you've cited is that she was brought for such a time as this, but she didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody had to tell yeah, her. She, yeah, that's So right. <laughs> you may have been brought into even this house. And wherever you are, Joshua House, Westminster, mm-hmm. Cyrus, and you're there with purpose. Yeah. And you're going to intersect with people who mm-hmm. are going to speak into your purpose. Now, we have to be careful with that, right? Yeah. Because sometimes things people say are not in line with what God says. Yeah. But, you know, you, you meet people like Esther did. Mm-hmm. She met the king yeah. of Persia. Did she go to Persia thinking, I'm going to meet the king? No, she didn't. So anyways, I love your verses, your testimonies. Thank you so much. Can we give them a round of applause? Yeah. Just awesome. Well, we have, we just have one more, we have one more question where we want to encourage you. And so I'm going to ask you, Pastor Steph, what would you say to someone who's going through what you've been through? Yeah. Um, It's funny because I thought of a phrase as we were going over our testimonies and it's like, I feel like I've heard this before. Like, I don't know where I've heard it, but I Googled it and it turns out to be a Bible verse, which I think is awesome. Um, But what it is, is it's from Zechariah 4 verse 10 and it's don't despise the day of small beginnings. And I just, I love that. I love that. Like, you might feel like you have such an ordinary or even insignificant beginning or life or whatever it might be. But I know I felt that before. Like I have nothing to offer. Like I've got nothing to offer, but that is so not true. That is a lie. It's a lie because God has so much more in store for you. 
And so don't despise your humble roots because I believe that God is just getting started with you. Yeah, amen. Amen. Good words of encouragement. Yeah. Um, so, Pastor Rudy, uh, what would you say to someone who's gone through or going through what you have been through? Yeah, I would say, because I meet a lot of people that struggle with things that I've struggled with, and I would say, don't let your past keep you from God's plan. Yeah, amen. Because if amen. I had stayed in that state, I never would have done the things that I could have given up on Christianity. The, the enemy wanted me to give up on Jesus from the start. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I would say that the enemy is always going to try to wipe out of your life what you were meant to worship with your life. In my case, I was meant to worship Jesus. He created me yes. to worship him. And of course, Amen. the enemy was trying to wipe that out before mm-hmm. I could even get started. And I see that now. And I'm, I'm so thankful. And I can say today with confidence, I walk in freedom. Like I know I'm saved. I have a relationship with Jesus. Yes. I don't feel like, you know, there, there's days that are tougher than others, but, but I've grown so much in, yeah. in the word of God and being able to apply that. And uh, like I walk in freedom. Like I have joy because I have Jesus. And like I said, not every day is easy. It's not all butterflies and rainbows. Yes, there's hard days. But when you have Jesus and you've been through some stuff with Jesus by your side, looking back those three months, I had Jesus closer than he was there. So close to me that entire time. And and I think he, he awesome. I can always go back to that and remember like he never left me and he will never leave me nor forsake me. So, so what I would say to you is if you're going through that yeah. or if you have gone through that, don't let your past keep you from doing God's plan. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't let the enemy do that to you. Yeah. Amen. Because his plan, yeah. what, do, what, what does Jeremiah 29, 11 say? His plans are to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us a hope, hope and a future, yeah. right? That's God's plan for our life. Yeah. And I'm so glad I discovered that. Yeah, yeah so good. Awesome. Why don't we give Jesus a hand, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Guys, why don't you stand at your feet? Like I said, his plans are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And everyone has a different testimony. Everyone has a different story. Everyone has gone through different things that have shaped them into the people that they are today. But I want to encourage you um, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or if you just started a relationship with Jesus, or if you've known Jesus your whole life, like I said, we all need grace. You know, that's the only thing that's going to save us is the grace of God. But that grace came um, by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, by taking all of the stuff that we've done or are going to do and nailing it to the cross once and for all and saying, it is finished. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity, just like somebody gave me that opportunity back in 2011 and said, do you want a relationship with Jesus? Is it always going to be easy from there? No. Will you have some battles to fight through? Maybe. Some people, again, everyone's story is different, but trust me, at the end of the day and at the end of your journey through this life, you're going to look back and say, wow, I'm glad I stuck with it. I'm glad I made that decision for Jesus because the benefits far outweigh the little tiny darts that the enemy is trying to throw at you. The, the benefits at the end of the day far outweigh anything the devil can throw at you. So if that's you today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I can say with confidence, Jesus changed my life. Jesus saved my life. And if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So I want to give all the credit to Jesus, but I want to give you that opportunity to to start a relationship with him. So why don't we just all bow our heads and close our eyes out of respect for the people around us and just pray this prayer together. If you've prayed it before, pray it with us anyway. Just say it out loud. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I've messed up. I admit that I've sinned. I need your grace. I believe that you died on the cross for everything I ever did and ever will do. And I believe that you rose again on the third day and you were alive and active today. I welcome you into my heart. And today is a new day with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just keep your 
heads bowed and your eyes closed. If that was you, I want to give a Bible to you. I want to celebrate with you. Shoot your hand up if that was you right now. If that's the first time you ever prayed this, just give me a thumbs up. Thank you. Right now, there's a party going on in heaven. You know, even if one sinner comes back, says that there's a party going on. So why don't we celebrate and give it up? Give it up for for the people that just joined the family of God. And if that was you and you rededicated your life today and you said, hey, I've had a relationship with Jesus, but I want to be on fire again. I've kind of walked my own path. I've, I've gone astray. Today is a recommitment. Just give me a thumbs up and say, hey, today I'm going to start fresh. Today I'm going to start fresh. It's a new day. Amazing. Thank you. So good. Well, the next step is baptism. And if that was you today, um, you give your heart to Jesus. The next step is baptism. And maybe you gave your life to Jesus a while ago and you just haven't been baptized. Or you just sense God is calling you to get baptized. Come on down. I remember the day I got baptized. I'll never forget it. Um, It's a powerful moment in your life. So if that's you today and you want to get baptized, we have the water right here. It's ready to go. You're going to go down into the water and you're going to come out a new creation. You know, your old self is going to die and you're going to rise with Jesus. And if that's you, just come on down. While we're worshiping, Rick and Kamala will be up here and they would be happy to baptize you. Last week, they baptized three people, right? The first week of this series, we baptized four people. So it's the year of baptism. It's the year of baptism. So if that's you and you want a fresh start, come on down while we worship. We're going to sing a song called Ask, Seek, Pray. We're going to worship. And uh, if that's you, come on down. We'd be happy to baptize you. Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.